This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're glad you could join us again today. Well, a jury in St. Louis found Johnson & Johnson liable for injuries resulting from the use of its talc-containing products, such as Johnson's baby powder and shower-to-shower body powder for feminine hygiene. The jury awarded the family of Jacqueline Fox $72 million after agreeing that the products contributed to the development of her ovarian cancer. In a statement, Carol Goodrich, a Johnson & Johnson spokeswoman, said, We have no higher responsibility than the health and safety of consumers, and we are disappointed with the outcome of the trial. We sympathize with the plaintiff's family, but firmly believe the safety of cosmetic talc is supported by decades of scientific evidence. It goes against decades of sound science proving the safety of talc as a cosmetic ingredient in multiple products. And Johnson & Johnson, of course, is expected to appeal. But today on Ringler Radio, we'll take a look at this important case, Johnson & Johnson's liability, the $72 million verdict, and its ramifications. And, of course, look forward to future litigation that may possibly arise. And joining us today for that discussion is a friend and special guest, Jerry Beasley, founder of the Beasley Allen Law Firm in Montgomery, Alabama. Jerry has been an advocate for victims of wrongdoing since 1962, And during his career, he's tried hundreds of cases and helped so many uh, individuals that needed their help. And his distinguished career has uh, resulted in numerous courtroom victories, including many landmark cases that have had a positive impact on society. So with that, welcome to the show, Jerry. Happy to have you back and uh, good to have you again. Thank you, Larry. It's really good to be back. And I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity. Terrific. Terrific. Well, Jerry... Miss Fox, uh, in this particular case in St. Louis, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer two years ago after using Johnson's baby powder and shower-to-shower body powder for feminine hygiene. She used it for more than 35 years. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about Jacqueline and uh, and the case itself. Well, let's go back to Johnson & Johnson and then we'll bring it up to date. Sure. Uh, first, Miss Fox was a lifetime user. She started using the baby powder as a, as an infant and her mother insisted on it and she continued that throughout her lifetime. Johnson Johnson had noticed as far back as 1979 that there was a risk of ovarian cancer connected to the use of their product, talc. And the internal documents, I would like for anybody who doubts that Johnson Johnson knew about the risk, hid the risk, and, and actually ran the risk of, of people dying and, and eventually somebody catching them. And a jury did catch them in this case. But let's just go back and kind of look at the internal documents. Sure. They, they starting in 19, 1979, in 1982, when the Kramer study came out, and this was the first significant study, and it showed a 30% increase, relative increase, in getting ovarian cancer from the use of the TAP products. 
And then let's go to one particular document, and I'd like for Johnson Johnson to explain this one to the public. They had a paid consultant, a toxicologist, Dr. Alfred P. Weiner, who wrote them a letter in 1997, and he starts off by saying, you're not going to like what you're going to hear, but here it is from your consultant. And he points out that they had been lying to the public over a period of time, and he specifically mentioned three specific areas where they were lying about the safety of the product. Then he goes on to, to tell them this, and, and this absolutely is just unbelievable that they could have this in their file. And then the spokesperson issued a statement like this post-verdict statement from Johnson & Johnson. starts off by, by saying this, and I'm going to quote it. Anybody who denies this risk that the talc industry will be cons perceived by the public like it perceives the cigarette industry, denying the obvious in the face of all evidence to the contrary. This absolutely, that, if that's not an indictment of their conduct, and uh, sure, sure, it, 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 this is their document from their consultant, right? And they never thought that a jury in the United States of America would ever see this and a number of other documents. For example, the Cancer Prevention Institute went directly to the CEO at Johnson Johnson, laid out all the evidence, put it on the table, and made this statement. You need to either pull this product from the market or you need to at least warn people of the risk. And, and it was aimed directly at women. Uh, and th this is a, a tragic uh, reality. Well, you know, Jerry, and, and the, about, que the question I, I have for you is given the, those those consultants who came up with those pretty startling findings, was there any sort of warning by Johnson & Johnson after that to the consumers uh, about the potential no, dangers? No, no, they have never warned to this day. In fact, at trial, they didn't call any corporate officer. Not one single corporate officer testified. We didn't have access to anybody except one particular guy who came in from England who used to work for him and, and now is, is a consultant and is, a, is an expert witness for him. But, but it, it, it's kind of go back to, to this particular time frame. Sure. I believe I'm correct in saying in 2002, I know we have the document, in 2002, their sales were declining. Johnson Johnson's sales were declining. So they do a demographic marketing survey, find out that African-American women and Hispanic women are their targets, that they're the greatest users. So what do they do? In, in an internal memo, here's what they say. No health benefit. There's a safe alternative in cornstarch. Cancer link. Let's go after these two groups. And that's exactly what they did. That is callous to the extreme. For example, an African-American woman is below the baseline without talc involved at all. Insofar as the risk of ovarian cancer, an African-American woman, woman is below the baseline with talc in, involvement. The studies show that woman has a 400% relative risk of, get, of getting ovarian cancer. And Jacqueline Fox lived to the age of 62, and she had been a lifetime user. She was never warned, never had any idea. And here's the kicker. In, in 2006, the company that mines the talc in China sells it to Johnson Johnson, and all they do is grind it down to powder form. Johnson Johnson adds a little perfume, and then they sell it to women all over the all over the world. So, the mining company, uh, a company called Lucinac at that time, now called Emrys, 
In 2006, they start putting a warning on the containers that go to Johnson Johnson saying that this product is carcinogenic and specifically aims it at, at, at women. And uh, Johnson Johnson had this, and all they did was tear up the, never pass this on to the public. Interesting. And, and let's go back to the FDA real quickly. Being uh, a cosmetic, talcum, the, the baby powder, and shower to shower are, are considered cosmetics. They're not controlled like drugs are controlled, and the drug control by the FDA is as weak as leftover coffee. But, well, that's not even a good analogy, just weak as it can be. Uh, let's, let's think a little bit about how, how the FDA works. A citizen's petition was filed back in 1994 by the Cancer Prevention Institute again. The response from a gentleman by the name of John Bailey, and that name ought to be etched down in, in stones. John Bailey, working for the FDA, is, is the person with the government who had the responsibility of handling that petition. He responds to, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but this is basically it. We're understaffed, underfunded, don't have the resources to deal with this. 1994. Where do you think John Bailey is working today? Probably Johnson & Johnson. Well, he, he, actually, the trade association that Johnson & Johnson actually finances and, and, <laughs> and supports. Well, that and not doesn't, only, that doesn't not surprise only, me. Not only John's working for him, so is his wife. Interesting. And we're talking about big bucks. Interesting. And he, he's not a cheap guy. So now he becomes an expert witness for Johnson Johnson. They said it was going to call him in this trial, but they didn't because they knew that we would literally blow him out of the water with these documents. Well, you know, you know, Jerry, in past uh, shows that where we've discussed different cases about different issues and companies have covered up vital information about their products, it seems to be uh, a, a, an epidemic in, uh, in corporate America. What could Johnson & Johnson have done differently here? And obviously they needed to do some warning. What was it in your view? I mean, they have a cornstarch product. That seems to that seems to have uh, a different uh, relationship with the way it, it affects the human body. Why would they not, you know, move to that product or warn about the talc product? What what is your opinion about that? What happened? Well, they, they were making so so much money uh, selling the other products that were actually so widely and 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 effectively uh, marketed uh, all the commercials. Any young girl would be singing that commercial, uh, a sprinkle a day keeps the odor away, and you see this girl in the shower and coming out. And Anyway, that's the reason they were making big bucks, and they have not advertised. They sell cornstarch. In fact, you can go to a drugstore or any store, and you'll see on the shelf those products in the same area. And in the memo I mentioned a few minutes ago, they admitted that cornstarch, while it had no health benefit, had no toxic effect. Right. So they knew they knew exactly what they were doing, but all they had to do was warn. In fact, uh, if they would simply warn, I think they ought to pull the product from the market, but they certainly need to warn the people who are using it because let's, let's, let's compare some of the experts for the defendant, Johnson Johnson, who testified at trial, also have testified in the PrimPro litigation, which causes breast cancer, in the Actos litigation, which causes bladder cancer. And let's compare PrimPro and, and Talc. PrimPro has a 1.27 significantly uh, a relative risk of, of 127. It has a black box warning on, on the product when you when you when the person gets that drug. 
it has the black box warning, which is the strongest warning that the FDA can issue. And that, that is called a black box warning. Uh, our, this drug, talc, not drug, but this, this cosmetic product, talc, has a 1.33 significant relative risk of, of, of ovarian cancer. So you have one drug, a drug that is less risky, uh, with a black box warning, and everybody knows that those cases were settled for, for a huge amount of money for the victims all over the country. Same way with Actos. Uh, so, but I, 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 after I saw the, uh, news release that Johnson Johnson put out, which is the typical, uh, say nothing, uh, news release after a verdict, I, 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 I issued a news release, which really was not picked up very effectively. It was probably our fault for the timing. I said to the CEO of Johnson & Johnson, I said, if there's any doubt in the public's mind as to who's right and who's wrong or who's telling the truth and who's lying, put all these documents on your website and let the public access those documents and read for themselves. Yeah, and they could draw their own and, conclusions. And, and then make a decision. I, I, I'm not a betting man, but I, I bet a huge amount that they would never do that. Well, I, I hear you on that. Never. You know, I, I understand an expert at the trial testified that, uh, you know, 45,000 women have died as a result of ovarian cancer that may be attributed to talcum powder. Uh, and there's a lot more that's going to that are going to die within the next year as a result of talc. The upwards of fifteen hundred, yeah. I've heard. Those are pretty overwhelming statistics. Uh, do, why why doesn't the public hear about that? Uh, I, I, I've been relatively shocked. Uh, for example, during the trial, not one single news media outlet covered that trial, with the exception of Bloomberg. And and Bloomberg had a person there at the beginning, and then at the very end. Uh, even the local media didn't cover it. Now, I don't know exactly why, but this, this is a monumental, uh, lawsuit. This jury, by the way, was made up of, it was a fairly conservative. If you put, put on a scale of one to ten, they would be more toward ten than one insofar as being conservative. And the four person was the medical person from the medical community. You had an accountant on the jury. You had a, a gentleman who was working on his PhD in genetics. And it was a very, I thought, a very sophisticated, very smart jury that understood the issues. And, and when, let me just back up and say this. On, on the punitive damage award, let me, well, compensatory first. We asked, we gave the jury a range of five to seven million. They returned a verdict of 10 million compensatory. We gave the jury a range of 10 to 15 million for each of the two Johnson Johnson defendants. They returned a verdict of $62 million. I couldn't figure exactly how they, they gave more than we asked for, is what I'm saying, wow. because they were shocked. I don't say they were angry. I think they were outraged at, at, at the conduct of Johnson & Johnson. But I still couldn't figure the $62 million. So the, the full person of the jury issued a, a statement, or maybe it was interviewed by the local, by the St. Louis papers, and she told them that they had... Uh, Given one million per year for every year she lived to punish, wow. to punish Johnson and Johnson. Well, there's a rationale there for sure. And you know, your firm, uh, Jerry, has been up against uh, big giant corporations like this uh, from time to time. You, this is what's what's really your, your life's work. What's your strategy in cases like these when you're when you're confronting a company like Johnson and Johnson, which most people would perceive in the public as uh, you know huge and and doing what what the public might think is, is for the public benefit, and then you're facing something like this. So what's your strategy when you, when you approach a case like this? 
Well, we know, first of all, that they're going to have tremendous lawyers and access to experts all over the country. And we know that oftentimes the truth doesn't really matter to them at all. In fact, in this case, the truth was not even on their radar screen. And so we go in realizing we've got to be well prepared. We've got to have good experts and we've got to do diligent, uh, hardworking type discovery. For example, we got these documents and, uh, Johnson Johnson never believed it. Let me back up on that. Johnson Johnson never even gave these documents to the FDA. Did not give it, did not give it to the own experts. In fact, their own experts had never seen these internal documents when they testified at trial. So to answer your question, um, we just realized that we're going to be in for a fight when we take on the giants of the industry. And we know also that the public believes we over-regulate in, in America. Truth of the matter, the federal government does generally a lousy job of regulation. And the reason is that, that Congress won't fund them because the people that control Congress don't want them funded, don't want them adequately staffed. And if they get a good person, we found this out in the Toyota case, uh, NHTSA, uh, they hired away the gentleman who was uh, investigating the sudden acceleration. He all of a sudden b- becomes the wonder for Toyota. And we, we've run into this in, in almost every case. If they've got a good person working for, say, NHTSA, the regulatory agency, or the FDA, the industry will hire them away. They want to pay them big and silence them. Well, let me ask you this. On those on those incriminating documents that you that you, you talked about before that Johnson & Johnson had, did you did you get these through discovery, or was there a whistleblower? Yes. How did that work? No, no, d- discovery. Discovery, okay. Uh, I, I'm going to make a prediction that you're going to see more whistleblowing from the industry because – uh, you're going to have somebody in that industry who has a conscience and, and, and wants to do the right thing and, and, and knows what they're doing. And eventually you're going to have some whistleblowing. I think you've already seen it, I believe, maybe Pfizer, but I, I, know, I know there's some whistleblowing activity. And, uh, and we've, we've been involved in the whistleblower uh, litigation extensively. In fact, we had the, uh, the Snowden, uh, case. Yes. Uh, which, it was really just shocking that they didn't do background checks on the people that they should have been doing background checks on. They're getting paid to do it. Well, one thing, Jerry, we know for sure that you, you're going to be kept busy for a, quite a while with a lot of these cases. So uh, let's take a quick break right now and be right back in a minute, right here on Ringo Radio, with more with Jerry Beasley on this uh, very important and uh, troubling case uh, about Johnson & Johnson and talc in their powder. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. 
you can count on Wrinkler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit WranglerAssociates.com to learn more. Well, welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined by my special guest, Attorney Jerry Beasley from the Beasley Allen Law Firm in Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, we always love having Jerry on the show because he, he handles tremendously important cases, and uh, we love talking to him about that for your benefit. Well, Jerry, let's talk about the $72 million verdict in this particular case. Uh, I'm sure Johnson & Johnson is appealing. Tell us about the appeal. Uh, where do you think that's going to head? Well, they, they will file post-verdict motions with the judge, who, by the way, did an outstanding job, extremely fair, and really kept the case moving. And we tried a case that could have lasted, say, if it were in California, we'd still be trying the case, or, or <laughs> several other states. But here, uh, and, and uh, we tried the case in St. Louis, Missouri, and he really did an outstanding job and kept it moving. There'll be motions filed and then ultimately an appeal. Uh, we don't see any, any error in the record. In fact, uh, the judge kept the, in my opinion, kept the record, uh, clean. And I don't see any possibility of a reversal. Uh, they will attack the mouth, I'm sure. And we, we will, we will simply get ready for the next trial. And the next one is in St. Louis in April. And then, for example, uh, just to show you the magnitude of this, we, before the trial started, we had been contacted by over 6,000 individuals who either had ovarian cancer or had a family member who had died because of the talc. Uh, and we didn't, we have not filed all those. And, and since the verdict, we've been constantly contacted by people all over this country. We've been contacted from South America, London, foreign countries, other foreign countries, and People are, in fact, uh, yesterday at church, I had people coming up, women, and and mentioning the mentioning this case and saying that they had used these products and they had thrown them away. Uh, so the message is getting out, and uh, that that's the important thing. Jerry, so uh, you, I know you're hearing from a lot of different uh, women out there. Have are you contemplating a class action in a case, in this case, or are you going to try to do individual lawsuits as you move forward? Well, we, we have not for this reason. Each, each case really stands on its own individual footing. Uh, you'll have, you'll have different, uh, periods of time of use. You'll have some frequent use, some constant use. So each case will be a little bit different and, and it really doesn't fit the class action, uh, model. It's a good word. But, but I, I suspect that eventually we will see that happen, and eventually we may even see an MDL uh, cases or court may be consolidated. But right now we, we, we're going to continue to uh, take each case on an individual basis, and ultimately Johnson Johnson is going to have to start thinking about settling this litigation because they've they've taken hits in a lot of other areas, not just this litigation. They have the um, the mesh litig litigation, which is ongoing, Risperdal. They've got uh, some uh, medical device litigation, and this company needs to. If, if I was stockholder of Johnson and Johnson, even though their net worth is off the charts, uh, I'd, I'd begin to wonder uh, about their uh, corporate philosophy because the average person, once they find out about bad corporate conduct, 
they don't like it because they're the consumers who are being taken advantage of. And uh, we saw in this case documents, uh, internal documents that said we can influence everybody. Interesting. Interesting. You know what? You know what, Jerry? It's 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 amazing, really. When 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 our listeners hear about cases like this, uh, the the one you you talk about last last time, you think that's going to cause, or even this case, you'd think that would cause corporate mindsets to change because they they see that train coming down the track, and yet yet time and again, uh, each corporation will somehow run into their own problems with, as you said, documents that that are. Uh, uh, very damaging, and and experts that uh, that have that have to- told them and warned them about these issues, yet they don't seem to want to bring that to the public's attention. Maybe because of the profit motive and and all the other things that we know about. So at the end of the day, in this particular case, we're talking about a matter of justice for Miss Fox and uh, and for exactly. her family. Uh, so with that in mind, what have you learned from this case in helping Miss Fox? That's going to take you forward uh, to help all the other folks that are that are calling you on, on, on this issue. Well, I- interestingly enough, uh, before Ms. Fox died, she, we actually filed a lawsuit while she was still living, and they the defendants did a discovery deposition. Here's a, a woman with cancer, uh, as it turned out, dying with cancer. They they put her under seven hours of intense uh, deposition questioning. The last thing they asked her was, well, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I'm gonna, her answer was graphic and just strong they asked her this question they said miss fox you just in this case for the money aren't you and, and she she cried in her answer while she was crying she said i'm not in it for the money said i, I don't want any other woman to go through what i've gone through i want this company to start doing right and, and that was her last statement and the jury was able to see this and hear this and then they, they they actually even asked her son, who was the last witness we put on the stand, ask him the very the same question. They said, number one, said, uh, you're not from uh, St. Louis, are you? He said, no, sir. Said, you don't even have any relatives up here, uh, no, sir. Said, all you want is money. That was That was their last question to him. And he basically answered it this way. He didn't cry, but he teared up and he said, my mom asked me to carry on this lawsuit and she wants them to do the right thing to start warning about a known risk. I'm paraphrasing it. But that was the last statement he made to that jury. I could thank that lawyer for asking that damn question. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but uh, it wasn't sort of a dumb question. Well, you know what, uh, Jerry, it's, it's cases like this. It's advocacy like you're you're providing for these Poor, poor plaintiffs who are so either so injured or or dying, that really makes uh, what you do in the legal profession trying to to get what's right in America back on track. Uh, hopefully, Johnson and Johnson will take the litigation that you're talking about and the coming litigation to heart, so that talc may be something uh, that's put in in the past, and that they can go forward with the cornstarch and 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 really protect the public. Hopefully, that'll come from what the good work that you're doing. Well, we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving, and, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to tell the story. And uh, all by the way, all of the all of these documents that I'm talking about, you can go to our website and access those documents, and so can the public. But I would hope that Johnson Johnson would see fit to put put this information on their own website, that's but don't right. bet on it. That's right. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting comment. And and with that, Jerry. Uh, I, 
I, exactly where I was going. I was going to ask you if someone wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about this case from your perspective and these documents, how do they get to your website? What, 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 tell, tell us about uh, that. It's just uh, BeasleyIsland.com. They, they, they can access it there, and then they can go. It has all of our phone number and contact information there. Great. But I've been getting emails. I assume people are doing that now because – I've gotten emails from all over the world, uh, people who have had a, a, a person die in their family or someone who now has uh, ovarian cancer. And we even got a call from a person connected with Johnson Johnson, one of their, uh, I say, consultants who had a family member with ovarian cancer. And that lady asked us if we could represent them and I'm sort of putting a quandary there. I don't know whether they're trying to set me up or whether that's a legitimate call. <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to put much past you, Jerry. I think you've got, you've got their number pretty well. Well, listen, with that, Jerry, I want to thank you very much. This is a very informative uh, show and I think our, our, the public out there that hears this is going to be uh, looking in their medicine chest and making sure that they uh, take that uh, Johnson & Johnson talc baby powder Throw it away and go buy the cornstarch if they're going to do that. So I think uh, you've you've provided a tremendous service to uh, the public. I want to thank you again for that, and uh, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you, Larry, and y'all do a great service too. And it's important to get this information out, and and I commend you for it. Super, super. Now, listen, I'll tell our audience also if you want to reach any of the Ringler Associates uh, around the country, structured settlements, and you know the you know what we do. You can always go to our website, RinglerAssociates.com. You can find any of the Ringler Associates. They're all over the place. Uh, and also, of course, you can listen to any Ringler radio show. They're all on RinglerAssociates.com, also on uh, RinglerRadio.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, or you can go to iTunes and download any of these shows and these podcasts. Uh, you'll be able to hear this one with Jerry Beasley uh, very shortly. So with that, I want to thank you again, Jerry, for being a great guest and for bringing this to the attention of the public. I appreciate it, Larry. Good to talk to you. Have a good day. To you, Absolutely. You too, Jerry. And for all of you out there, go have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.